Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. Today's podcast is produced in partnership with my friends at TrendSpider. I use TrendSpider on a daily basis, and honestly, I could not imagine trading without it ever again. Their platform has charts, automatic technical analysis, backtesting right there on the screen, and alerts that are sent straight to my phone, all of which I use every single day. Now you can get two weeks to try TrendSpider for yourself for free and get discounts of at least 15% off when you sign up for their service. Listen, they are so confident that this will change the way you trade, they'll even give you a one-on-one demo with the platform and answer any questions you may have about how to incorporate their platform into your trading. And that's exactly what I've done. So head on over to trendspider.10minutestocktrader.com to get your discount code. And I'll even throw in some extra bonuses worth over $100 to incentivize you to take their free trial of Trendspider today. Now listen, the only place to get your discounts and the free bonuses is at trendspider.10minutestocktrader.com. One more time, that's trendspider.10minutestocktrader.com. Hey everybody, happy Sunday. Thank you for joining in. And uh, I, I have the um, the chat on my phone. So I see a lot of new people on today. So thank you for everybody that is new for tuning in and checking out what we have um, to show you guys today. We do have a special guest, Steve Burns, who is going to be going over a few different things today. The main thing is how he finds an edge in the market. And his main thing is definitely the back tester. So he's going to go over the five and 20 EMA crossover. And then in segment two, Steve is going to show you guys how he implements this edge into his trading. Um, and so that will be going over a recent Roku trade that he made. And then as we go into the second half of the show, as always, we're going to do a broad market recap, go over some of the broad market ETFs, SPY, QQQ. IWM, and we will take a look at VIX. Um, and segment four is going to be, as always, the top three requested charts this weekend, which this weekend it was BABA, AMD, and Delta. So as we move on to segment one, I want to uh, thank you again so much, Steve, for joining us. And I will uh, hand it off to you to show us how you find an edge in the market, especially right now when the market's just crazy. Hey, Steve, you there? Yeah, hey. Hey, alrighty. So um, today, when you're uh, when you're going over the charts, and I can see your screen now, what are the main things that you're going to be talking about when you're finding an edge in this current market? Yeah, really, pr profitable trading comes down to having large wins and small losses. That's really the key to everything. And you want to have a quantified, repeatable process for finding the swings and trends in your own time frame, whether you're a day trader or a long-term trend follower. So I look for... For, I use the back tester on uh, Trendspire to find those kind of repeating patterns that allow you to capture the trends. So, so uh, today I'm talking about the uh, the five day uh, twenty day crossover, uh, and I've got five five different uh, uh, tickers I'm going over here. This is the five five twenty crossover. The ten fifty crossover was one of the more popular ones I saw across both charts are, that have an edge, but the 520 is a shorter term one that actually has a, a good uh, history of catching momentum and strong trends. Now, even the QQQ, a slower ETF index. Uh, if we look at the QQQ here, you know, this is the 520 crossover. The blue line is the five and the uh, red line is the 20 day uh, exponential moving average. So you see when they cross under, it tells you to go to cash, you know, stay safe. And then when they cross back over, 
you go long. That's how this back test uh, works out. So we go down here, let me reset it to show you the exponential moving average crossed up over the 20 day exponential moving average. And then the exit, that's the entry signal. The exit's when the five day EMA crosses back onto the 20 day. This is a mechanical back test of that uh, signal. So the first one is the Q's. If we look at this, we have a 401% return based on the signal versus a 320% return on buy and hold. So you see the equity curve here, you know, during the dot-com meltdown, it would have told you to go to cash. You know, you might have had outperformance on buy and hold initially during the dot-com, but it got you in cash during the big meltdown during the dot-com error. And then it got you back long early on in the next bull market. So you can see the difference in the equity curve of the 520 crossover versus the equity curve of a buy and hold on QQQ. And, you know, buy and hold's hard to beat. You know, it's very hard to beat an S&P 500 index over the long term. Most people, you know, can't beat the index. And the crossovers can give you a chance to, you know, to get in long during bull markets and go to cash during bear markets. And this strategy has 40% winners, 60% losers. The average gain is 6.35%. The average loss is 2.27%. And even with that, uh, the smaller gains and smaller losses, look at the long term, you're, you're up 401%. So that's the principles behind the 520 crossover. If we look at Apple, you know, one of the best performing stocks in history, you know, it's very hard to beat a buy and hold Apple trade going back through its history. And here, you know, going back to, uh, 1994 in the IPO, if you would have traded a uh, 520 EMA crossover, look at the difference in the equity curve versus buy and hold Apple. You know, Apple itself, as an investor, you returned a measly 15,000% over the uh, history of the Apple stock, while the 520 EMA crossover returned 59,000%. So it's just stunning what you can do when you're letting your winners run and you're cutting your losers short and you're avoiding the big uh, crashes and pullbacks and drops. You now, especially even during the recent, uh, the recent meltdown in uh, late February and uh, in early March in the stock market, you know, this would have told you to go to cash when the five crossed under the 20. So that, that's a risk management tool as well as a trend indicator, you know, then told you to get back in here on the swing to the upside. Uh, so that's really stunning going back to 1994. Then you, even financial, Goldman Sachs, you know, the premier investment bank, it returned uh, the uh, it returned 1,530% using the 520 cross and only 159% versus buy and hold because during, you know, look, during the, two, the financial meltdown, you know, you got just annihilated back when Goldman Sachs got down to what was about $70 a share. So you, you avoided that. You were at equity highs here. And went to cash, you know, it didn't have that drawdown. So you came out a lot ahead as the 2008-2009 financial crisis ended in March 2009. And you started going back higher again. You know, you're starting at a higher point. So, you know, drawdowns are difficult to come back from. You know, if you're long something and you have a 50% drawdown, you have to have a 100% return to get back to even. But if you're not in something and it drops down 50%, you know, and you get long, you can have 100% return coming out of it. So the, the math of getting out is incredible, and the 520 gives you a mechanical crossover signal. So, you know, that's some tech stocks, the leaders of financial. But how about some of the new speculative, speculative names like Beyond Meat or, or Virgin Galactic? Beyond Meat has a much shorter time frame here going back to the, just to where it IPO'd back in May. And look at the difference. You know, you would have outperformed buying into Beyond Meat on its big run-up. But eventually, using the 520 crossover, you would have had less of a drawdown, and uh, you would have stayed here and went to cash and waited for the next signal instead of having this big drawdown. And you would actually end up coming out way ahead, even on a new name, you know, showing the edge that the 520 crossover alone has versus the buy and hold. Even in a name that's not really back tested on data, but it's just the 520 itself can capture the momentum. Look at the outperformance here. You have. Just on that short time frame, you would have had a 98.73% return versus 17.12% for buy and hold on, on, on meat. Uh, the last one on the on the back test is uh, Virgin Galactic. What a move that one had recently. And the 520 cross uh, captured, you know, the majority of this move. Another thing I like to say, you know, if you use this as your entry signal, you can still manage your exit. You know, if you're happy up here and you've had a big win, 
and, you know, you're starting to see readings of overbought, you know, you can lock in a profit on a trade. You don't have to wait for it to get all the way for the five to cross back on the 20. You know, you know, the 520 crossover and the cross under as a large overreaching model is a profitable trend following system. So you can just capture the move as much of the move as you want. You know, and sometimes you'll miss more of the move if you get out early, you know, if it comes overbought. Uh, you know, or if you see the first red candle, you might want to get out. You might not want to hold all the way till the cross under. You know, it might cost you in the long term. You won't capture as big of wins, but you also won't give as much of the give backs. Because with trend following like this, you do have to give back some open profits. That's just part of the game. You know, if you want to have a really big win, you got to risk your open profits for the opportunity to have a giant win. You know, people make the mistake of wanting to get out too early and they don't catch the really big wins. So, you know, you have to adjust it for your own time frame and your own, uh, you know, risk tolerance and return goals. But the back test on Virgin Galactic here is going back to November. You know, look at the, you know, you didn't participate in the this plunge back here before the, uh, when the five was on the 20, when it dropped. But you did get back in here once the five crossed over the 20. And to look at the, the difference in the, uh, the uh, returns here versus the buy and hold. And here you just went to cash. You know, you didn't take the big drawdown on the plunge. You just went to cash. So it's a risk management tool as well as a tool for big wins. You know, TrendSpotter is just the fastest tool for doing this because you can backtest so quickly or you can have a watch list set up and just click through them and instantly backtest and your charts right here. So I do like uh, the TrendSpotter platform where you have an all-in-one with your chart as well as your backtester and how fast you can do this uh, with TrendSpotter. So, uh, you know, that's just one way to find an edge is using the back tester to see what creates the, the, the big wins and the small losses. And you have endless options on the, the um, back testing tool on TrendSpotter. You don't even have to learn to code. You know, you have endless options here to use your entry and exit signals. So uh, that's, um, you know, that's the first segment, uh, Jake, that I was going to talk about. Awesome. And just a quick question. So when you're generally trading this 520 crossover, it is generally on the daily chart, right? Yes. Got it. Got it. Cool. Well, uh, definitely, um, definitely, that was fantastic, and that kind of sets us up in for seg into segment two, which is trading that edge and how you trade that edge. So it looks like Roku was a trade that you recently made with this setup, um, and uh, you know, I'll let you go ahead and share your screen again, and and we can kind of go over the process that you were thinking when you were going into Roku and uh, Roku was a great trade last week there. I think the one thing that I want to mention um, here is the fact that there were so many different signals on Roku last week, whether that was a moving average cross, whether that was using the volume by price, whether that was using, you know, the raindrop breakouts, there were so many different participants in the market to, you know, watch Roku and participate I think that's what really made it run. There was just so many different signals going off and it made almost everybody want to participate in the market. So what was the main signal that you were kind of uh, watching, Steve? Yeah, what I was looking for is uh, like, I was, it, it ties in really well with what I was talking about, this 520 crossover. If we look at the back test on that, you know, I run this on my watch list. Look at the Roku 520 uh, back test on here. You know, it returned 618.52% versus 428.78% for buy and hold on Roku. Uh, you know, and Roku was on my watch list because I was looking at names like um, Amazon and uh, and other names that would benefit from this quarantine. Everybody's at home and having to having to be on the, on computers, on laptops, on entertainment. You know, like Netflix or shopping at Walmart. You know, or on Zoom. So uh, Roku was on my watch list because it really catered to the environment we're in. They should not be affected by their earnings with this quarantine. They should actually be be uh, booming with all the people forced onto their platform. And they are a, uh, you know, the platform for the streaming services themselves. So it's actually one step even above Disney Plus or Netflix on Roku as a platform. So it's something I've watched for a long time, and that's why it was on my uh, immediate uh, watch list of things I was going to signal to buy because of their edge in this uh, environment, which is, you know, historical. So the 520 crossover was what I actually keyed off of here. And I went long when I spent, I got the signal of the 520 cross. I, I bought at the end of the day on Roku at 96.56 uh, when we had the, uh, the signal for the uh, crossover here. And uh, so I did go long. It was, uh, it was, uh, 96.56 near the end of the day on the crossover, and I held 
as it, uh, I was shocked at how, uh, how far it went and how far, fast. And I had no reason to get out. It was closing above the uh, five-day exponential moving average. The five-day cross back under the 20. Initially, the 520 cross under was my stop loss. But it went higher and not lower, so I didn't have that stop loss triggered. You know, you want to have a low probability uh, stop loss, so if it doesn't get hit, you have the opportunity to make money. So it kept going in my favor day after day. Uh, and I finally sold it here on Thursday with this pin bar reversal and uh, this just huge move up. I mean, I was up uh, over 30% intraday on this one, and it just kept going higher. It did have a pin bar reversal, and it did on the RSI. Uh, it did get overbought here. You know, I look at the overbought area as a, where your risk reward diminishes. You know, I enter on a trend following signal, but then as the risk reward diminishes, then I look to lock in profits if I have a reason to. And that big pin bar reversal by the end of the day was my reason. So I did exit Roku here at 126 uh, 13 uh, near the end of the day. I did get back uh, some open profits waiting to the end of the day, but uh, I got out at 126 uh, 13. So it was a 30.62% gain from my entry on the 520 cross to my exit on Thursday. And I was happy when I saw the drop uh, Friday and it didn't make any new high. Each of these made a higher high and a higher low after I was in until uh, Friday. So I got out. So I didn't like the selling here. didn't like the overbought reading. So I didn't wait for the five to cross back on the 20. I went ahead and locked in profits. Yeah, no, the thing about you, you know, and I, I mentioned this in the weekend video, the main thing about Roku and some of these leaders is you can only be a leader for so long before, like you said, you get over overbought. I mean, so Roku was a leader. Amazon was a leader. Um, NVIDIA, kind of a leader. Uh, so, the, you know, the question is, do these leaders take a pullback next week and do some of these laggards help the market move to the next level? So um, that's that's one of the main things that I think is really interesting into next week is you clearly had a very defined set of leaders, Roku being definitely one of them. And, you know, this this comes into the fundamental aspect a little as well as you as you talked about, Steve, where. You know, this isn't this wasn't just a technical setup. This was also just from a fundamental and from a I don't want to say sentiment point of view, but everybody's at home right now and they're streaming. You know, Roku is the poster child of kind of coronavirus stocks, uh, in my opinion. So, um, you know, that that as well, on top of the technical signals people were seeing last week, that just overall fundamental sentiment kind of, you know, strength definitely helped Roku as well. But the question next week is definitely, you know, is the market a little too overextended? Is it not overextended? Um, you know, that is the big question bulls or bulls and bears are going between, you know, each other right now is, oh, no, the market's just, it can't go up any higher. You know, it can't go any lower. So I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. Um, as we've seen, you know, a lot of people uh, got, got the bottom wrong. A lot of people got, you know, the continuation wrong. So this is not a market where, you know, everybody is just playing the status quo. The, the status quo changes every day, even more than it usually does in the market. So I'm um, going into segment three. Um, Steve, I'll let you uh, drop your screen. We'll, we'll jump on. Unless there's something else that you want to mention, we'll jump into segment uh, three here. And that's really going over the broad markets, looking at SPY, looking at QQQ, IWM, and, and taking a look at um, VIX. This SPY chart that I have here, just to kind of start the conversation, is really interesting. One, because we just broke through the anchored VWAP from December uh, 24th of 2018, which was a huge area of support initially. Now it did act as resistance before breaking through on on uh, Friday, but the, the coolest data point I think out there on SPY right now is the overall return from the very low back a couple weeks ago. If you look at 2018 versus 2020, I'm not saying that there's a bottom in right now, but there's clearly a short-term bottom in. Um, so what's interesting is if you if you look at the very bottom, the intra-week low in 2018, and then you look three weeks after that weekly candle closed, the return was 13.99% from very low to very high. That's a big return on SPY in, in uh, th four weeks. Now you look at 
Um, the the current drop in 2020, and you look at the return since the very low, the intraweek low, and then you look three weeks after that intraweek low um, formed, we're literally up 31.57% in four weeks. That is 125% more of a move than we had on uh, in 2018 on SPY. So just to kind of you know show the the absolute madness here. I mean, this is this is really kind of uncharted territory, and it really begs the question: Is this just a bear market rally? I mean, having this big of a move that quick is incredibly impressive. So, um, kind of, I think that's what everyone's trying to figure out: Is this is this really a V bottom, or is this going to turn into a W and possibly even lower? Uh, nobody really knows that. That's why we use charts. That's why we use different types of analysis to kind of try to get an edge. But at the end of the day, nobody knows what's going to happen. And if they tell you they know what's going to happen, then they are definitely somebody you want to run away from as quickly as possible. So um, that is the uh, spy chart. I'll jump into more charts here in a second. I'm just going through the key notes here. Um, IWM is one that I'm really going to focus on because it's lagging SPY in the queues. Um, so as we just mentioned, the leaders and the laggards have really been things you want to pay attention to. If you're identifying a leader and then all of a sudden you see a laggard that looks exactly the same as that leader a week ago, you know, that's that's something you want to pay attention to. So I'm um, going into the second note here. The VIX held uh, relatively well, I guess, if you want to can if you want to call it that um, it's still within that that kind of dip that we identified last week. I'll go over that. And then just talking about those leaders and the laggards. So I will go and share my screen now uh, for the actual um, SPY chart and some of those broad market charts. As we mentioned, we just went over this chart on the presentation. The main thing here that I didn't mention before is notice that we've got these blue raindrops that are forming on pretty much every slight pullback we had. And then we had that at least in, uh, in early April. This signaled the bottom here before moving up to this anchored VWAP that initially acted as resistance. And so what I really want to mention as well, if you guys have been watching and paying close attention to these charts, you can see how they've changed over time, right? This break-even zone, this demand zone, was previously a supply zone. We were down here at 261, and this big block of volume was people who were stuck. Um, and I, I mentioned this in the weekend video, but imagine this, right? We're starting the volume profile from February 19th. So no other price action matters. We're only measuring the price action from this point in time. So if you look at this big green zone here, this big green zone is representing these three candles right here. How do we know that? Because there has not, well, now it's not, but before it was only representing these three candles. And since there was so much volume sticking out here, we knew that a lot of people bought the dip too early. And so as the price continued down, anyone who bought originally around this cluster of candles was down 21 or 22% um, within uh, a couple weeks. So as those people started to break even, that initially created a supply zone. You can see that the price really had some trouble breaking through it initially. But then as demand started to outpace supply at this area, you have your ability to break through that zone. And so now we call this a demand zone because this is where buyers were able to outpace sellers and move the price up. So this is what we're calling the break-even or demand zone. And then you can essentially just call this a break-even or supply zone above, except these people above are breaking even from a loss. If the price goes down, these people in the demand zone are breaking even from being profitable on Friday and, you know, if the price came down. So that is what I wanted to mention here um, on top of what we had already gone over. Moving on to the queues, I wanted to go over a couple different things. One, you can see that we're kind of already in this supply zone on the queues and you can see how much SPY is really lagging the queues right now. So Technology has definitely been a leader. Technology is a lot easier. Technology companies are able to be a little more flexible during a time like this. They were able to, you know, change some things that necessarily weren't possible in maybe some of your retail and your oil company um, stocks. 
Whereas some of your some of your tech companies were just able to really, you know, say, okay, well, that sucked, but we're able to maneuver through it and even take advantage of it. So that's what we're seeing on the queues on the daily. We're hitting that break-even zone. Uh, this is a crucial area to break through. Notice we've got that gap around 223 to 229 above. Um, as much as I want to be bullish, I mean, that is that is going to be absolutely incredible if we get near back to all time highs um, in the next week or two. I mean, it's just it's really fascinating to see uh, just this whole market move over the last three weeks. So um, the main thing I wanted to mention on the weekly chart is the fact that we did actually break through this previous area of resistance. Remember last week we were looking at this area right here saying we bounced right to it. Well, this week, uh, the trend line had no, no chance against the uh, price action, and we just went straight up. So um, we, you know, we are still in this, in this very long-term kind of channel. Uh, it's kind of this broadening, ascending channel that we've got here. And, uh, and until this channel breaks, the status quo is kind of, um, you know, kind of the same. We didn't even break it on this big, on this big crash from the coronavirus. So it's, you know, I really want to know what's what's it going to take to break down through this zone. Um, obviously, a big uh, a big kind of revamp of cases. If we do open back up, could do it. Bankruptcies coming in could do it. But for right now, you know, that is a really strong candle to go against. But uh, we'll just have to see what happens into next week and see if uh, SPY starts to catch up a little bit. Um, but all in all, remember we we looked at SPY. And it was about a 31% return from the bottom. Here, we're literally exactly the same. So, um, you know, just because there are leaders in the queues does not necessarily mean the queues are leading SPY. They're almost exactly the same return. So um, that's QQQ. IWM is going to be the laggard that we talked about here. And essentially, uh, you know, we, we can say that it's a laggard because it hasn't even broken through this anchored VWAP from February 20th. And remember, the anchored VWAP on SPY and the queues were broken through, you know, a week or so ago. So this is clearly a laggard. Um, if we compare the overall return from that low, uh, remember, 31% was on SPY and the queues. Here we're at 30%. So we're really not lagging that much on the overall index. Uh, we it, it it we haven't broken through this anchored VWAP like we did on the queues and SPY, but it's still you know, a 30% return from the uh, capitulation bottom here. So that is something to keep in mind. I did want to mention here with the volume by price, one thing that I've started to do with the, the anchored volume by price is anchoring it from when you start a trend line, because then you're able to essentially say, I know the volume profile of this trend. And so you're able to say from February, 2018, most of the volume is still holding way up above in this uh, this 150 zone, and so a lot of the time you'll see, not always, but this zone above where most of those people are holding at a loss. I mean, if you look at this, most of these shares right now are holding at a oops, are holding at around a 20% loss right now. So unless people start to continue to sell at a loss, as long as that supply starts to dry up and any demand starts to come in or it remains constant, you're going to see the price continue to move up. We do have that gap above as well. That's in, important to look at. Um, turning on the gap snake, you're able to see that gap very clearly around 136 to 141. And, uh, you know, if this thing does make a move next week, that would be an area for the price to kind of have uh, gravitate towards, if you will. So uh, last one I want to go over in the broad markets is the VIX. The VIX has been uh, one that I really liked to go over um, because essentially, let me change this real quick. I got to change this from a raindrop. Let's get this back to a hollow candle. There we go. Let's go back to VIX. So this is a chart that I made last week. Uh, we're gonna essentially just compare the weekly versus uh, the weekly candle on VIX in 2008 versus the weekly candle on VIX now uh, in 2020. And what you'll see here is something pretty interesting, right? We've got, uh, let me just optimize this a little bit. 
we've got this same kind of like setup thing going on here, this weird like rip pullback. And I just pretty much just made this uh, a, a repeat kind of thing. And so you can see that it's been, and let me just delete it here just to go over it. It's been four weeks in a row, just straight red on the VIX. Um, if we were to look at maybe a time for a reversal, it's probably after four red candles. Notice here, after five red, after five hollow candles in a row, we had a pullback. So are we going to have a fifth, just absolute bloody week for VIX? Or are we going to have something like this, where we've got this uh, kind of dead cap bounce before actually continuing to uh, move down lower and lower? So remember, the VIX is something that and I've mentioned this a couple of times, you don't have to have a higher VIX to have a lower SPY. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, it is important to kind of look at what the VIX is doing relative to the SPY that was a little disconnected at one point, but it seems to be a little closer to, um, you know, a little closer to reality now, if you will, because uh, notice here that we didn't really drop that much compared to uh, compared to overall um, you know, the overall move in, in SPY. So, you know, we'll see what happens. That's the VIX. I, I really don't trade the VIX or anything. I just look at it as a, look at it as a gauge for uh, SPY. And so, uh, you know, that's what I really wanted to go over here. As far as the broad markets go, Steve, is there anything that you want to add? You're welcome to share your screen um, if you'd like. Um, and uh, if not, we can move on to segment four. Now, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, it's really important these times, like you said, there's so much un uncertainty and unknowns that you should follow your price action system. You know, even if I'm maximum bearish thinking the second Great Depression is upon us from a macroeconomic level and the market rallies and has a 520 crossover, I take it. I mean, yep. that's the, really the key to people that make money versus people that don't. They get stuck in their opinions and don't trade and anything can happen. And like you said, yeah. it could go to the 200 day moving average and reverse back again and make new lows. I mean, anything can happen. So. Our job is just to follow the trend and follow our uh, price action systems. Absolutely. That's a great point, Steve. And one thing I want to want to add to that is, you know, I I've been trading in the markets long enough where I've I've done some horrible things with uh, crashes. I thought, oh, my gosh, this crash of 20 percent is just going to continue. Um, so, I, you know, I've been there. I've been that person who's just absolutely so mad because the spy just won't drop. And the more people that are so mad that the spy won't drop, the more it's going to go up. And that is simply just a function of people getting caught. They're adding to their short positions and they just keep getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. I don't think, you know, your average bull right now thinks that, you know, the market is healthy, but they're also not going to go against the trend. I mean, you know, it depends on what you define a trend as. The short term trend has definitely been up. The longer term trend is still in a downtrend. But I mean, when you've got these V-shaped recoveries, they can go on for longer than you think. And that brings up a, a famous quote where, you know, you can uh, you can be irrational <laughs> longer than your account can be. Uh, I forgot the exact. Quote. Sorry, the market, market can be irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Solvent. Yes, I couldn't think <sighs> Word, solvency, which is a big thing in the market. If you, you know, if you're trading margin, if you're going on leverage, you really either one have to be confident, two, hedged really well, or three, you're going to blow up your account pretty quick. So, um, you know, just from just from that perspective, remember the market does not have to follow rules. The market makes its own rules, and um, you know. Going against the market at the wrong time can really be brutal. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of have that, at, at least now. I'm not saying the market can't reverse 5% tomorrow and we, we start moving down again. Uh, but just from, just from kind of the overall sentiment, there still are a ton of bears out there. And, you know, as we mentioned, the more people that are, are trying to revenge trade this, the more they're probably going to dig themselves a hole. So we'll just Sorry. And uh, and also the short side is a lot more difficult than the long side. I had so many tweets coming at me during the plunge with all those you know monster rally days, limit up futures and three, four, five percent, 2000 point rally days. And everybody's saying, just go short because I didn't really want to go short in that market because of volatility. The short side is different than the long side. Yep. I know a long bull trend can last a year and be up 20, 30, 40 percent. 
And uh, the short side, it was a 35% drop about in the indexes and only lasted about a month and then rallied 30%. I mean, the short side's a different animal than the long side. And people are endlessly saying, you know, to go short when I was going long in different signals and I was uh, thinking it was funny and they were all near the bottom saying, well, just short the rallies. Like, that's not how short you have the biggest rallies in bear markets. Like you said, Jake, this could still be a bear market. We could go to the 200 day moving average up there and then reverse back. We don't know. Or it could be the beginning of a bull market thanks to the Fed interventions. And, you know, but the thing is, we do not know and we have to trade the reality of what's actually going on. And, you know, the people that were short, you know, if you, you catch a, a drop, you might be you, you might uh, make a 50 percent gain a short if you could handle the volatility. But if you catch the long on the way back up, you could double your money like an Etsy or Goldman Sachs gets back to a uh, previous high. So the math is just always better on the long side. Absolutely. And, you know, Steve, that that seriously brings up a great point, because one, I've been there. I've tried to short the market before thinking I you know wanted to be that hero. But this is what happens when you're short the market and you're getting continually burned. What happens is you start to think negatively. You start to wake up in the morning and you're hoping for bad news. You're hoping that the coronavirus cases increase. You're hoping that the death count increases. And this sounds horrible, but if you're short, those are the news headlines that could possibly help your short position. So you end up becoming this really negative person when you're in an open short position because you need things to go wrong. You need bad things to happen in order to make money. And I've been there before. I've woke up every morning, oh, you know, something bad happened. And it's just a horrible feeling. I'd rather wait until the market is exhausted on the sell side, watch mm -hmm. for some type of divergence to form and go long on the economy. You know, yep. I don't like to be negative about humanity. Uh, and that's what you really become um, accustomed to doing when you have a short because you essentially are wanting negative things to happen to push the market back towards your your position. It becomes a cognitive bias. Yep. Or then you then you don't want to be wrong. You want to prove you're right. And you want to hold. Then you start thinking the market's stupid and everybody else is stupid and the Fed is interfering and and you're rooting like you said. You get to a, a mindset where you're rooting against everybody and everything. Uh, perma bears are the most. Cognitive biased. I know guys have been that way for a decade, and I don't know how they're even still functioning in the market. Yeah, they have these hundred, a thousand blog, thousand word blog posts about why there's a resistance at SP 500 level, and then it rallies and blows through it by three percent after hours with the Gilead news. It's like, what life are you living in? I mean, I was in IBB because I was hoping just one of those biotech companies would have even the news. Doesn't have to do it; just the news flash will drive it. And to be short, you have to fight against the politicians, the executives trying to pump their stock up, the investors, the cash flows of the uh, of the end of the 401ks and IRAs every month. You know, the Fed, you're fighting against the world when you're short. I mean, and if you look at the long term stock market history and any back test you want to do, the, the bears might win some small battles, but the bulls win the war. Mm hmm. hundred percent. I think uh, I think that's a great point to uh, to move on to segment three and and identify some of these stocks that may may be those uh, stocks that help the market move up. Um, we've got Baba, AMD and Delta. The first two, Baba and AMD, have 100 percent been leaders. Baba is an online retailer in China. I mean, talk about people, you know, seeing China progressing, getting a little better. So naturally, Baba was one of those plays that people were like, well, this is an online retailer and it's in China, which China's leading the world in recovery. So that was one. AMD, I really don't follow that one too much, but it has been something a lot of people have mentioned. So we're going to go over that one. And then the airlines. I mean, earnings are coming up on the airlines. Technical analysis, analysis at this point is going to be a little iffy simply just because you know, the airlines are in a very bad spot. Um, and, uh, you know, there are still some charts showing that, uh, you know, airlines may not be completely done yet. I mean, you've got a complete sentiment change, essentially, because uh, you've got Warren Buffett selling partial positions here um, of his Delta position. So, you know, that's something to definitely keep in mind um, going into next week. I mean, even though some of these stocks look interesting, you know, we'll pull up Baba here. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to continue to be interesting. Um, one second here. I'm having a little trouble with the update. Let me log in again. Yeah, guys, we just recently had an update today. So if there is a little bit of funkiness, it's simply just the update kind of uh, kicking in. 
Um, as you guys can see, the chart's fine now. Uh, so Baba, this is one that I'm going to go over the weekly versus the daily chart. Um, so the first thing on the weekly, right? I want to anchor the volume by price from the December 18, uh, 2018 low, because that's where anybody who bought on this uptrend either did one of two things. They either likely took their profits or they uh, added to their position, which, you know, either one, it, it changes the status quo. These people, these people change their status quo of, of Baba. Either they, as I mentioned, took profits, which helped cause the price drop, or they added. So this 2018 low is where the, the market kind of re reset, if you will. And so that's where I want to start this because I want to know from December 24th, when we capitulated, where are a majority of those people holding now? And you can see on the weekly chart, a majority of those people were holding right in this 176 zone, which is exactly where we bottomed. And this zone was here before the price got here. And so this was really a nice cushion for Baba. If we anchored the alpha trends, anchored VWAP from this point, you can see that the price did break down through this line. But if you were using the anchored volume by price as well, notice how these lower volume bars were able to add some cushion to the price here. And this is where we ultimately bounced from. And now we've just had a huge rip to the upside. So um, going into BABA on the weekly side of things, that is what I'm kind of using TrendSpider with uh, the anchored volume by price and anchored VWAP. If we go to the daily, um, you know, this is simply just a pretty, pretty straightforward trend line. I'm sure a lot of people are watching it. And what happens when a lot of people watch a specific trend line or a specific indicator people start selling because if too many people run for the exits at the same time, supply starts to outpace demand and you've got a drop in price. So I got to say, this is a really ugly candle on Friday for Baba. And this makes me think that, you know, it may be time for some of these, these leaders that have absolutely ripped. They may be, they may be, uh, you know, in for a little bit of a pullback simply because people are profit taking. People are like, holy crap, I'm up 20% in two weeks. I'm, I'm taking my profit. And then you've got these people playing this resistance trend line here. I mean, it is literally textbook. It, you've, you've just got so many people probably watching this general line. And um, you, just, you just had this massive pullback here. So Baba into next week, 100% a leader last week. Not sure if that's going to be the case into this week. Um, but at the same time, I have no what uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. You know that this is simply just a level, as uh, Steve mentioned. You just got to follow your technical levels and let the market kind of do its thing. Um, so if this was to pull back, you know, I would probably anchor the volume weighted average price from this this point here that we bottomed at. And so if the price did pull back, you know, it it, it could pull back a little bit to this this area, and that would be. 100% healthy. That wouldn't even be a bad thing. You don't want the price to go straight up because if the price goes straight up, it's very easy for that price to go straight back down if enough people take profits at the same time. So Baba, interesting one. Moving on to AMD. Uh, <clears throat> this one is looking a lot like some of these other tech plays last week on the weekly chart where we've got this ascending triangles trying to form here. Um, it's not as strong as like your Amazon ascending triangle or your, your Netflix, but you still have this kind of ascending support. You've got this previous area of resistance and we're testing that again. Um, you know, what's to say that this can't just come right back and pull back to retest it. Um, so just from a longer term weekly perspective, we are kind of at that all time high zone where people may start to think, is is the market really that strong? Um, that may cause people to start reconsidering. They say, oh, wow, we're at all-time highs again and things have only gotten worse. So you know that may be the psychology behind some of these people selling into next week. Um, this is something I wanted to show you guys. This is like a really, really symmetrical chart on the daily. You can see that we've got pretty much, you know, one, I can label these as numbers. You know, this is your one, this is kind of your two here, and then three is your bottom. And then you can see here, same thing, right? Here's your two. Is this going to be our three? You know, I don't know. But 
Uh, one thing to mention here is if we turn on the gap snake, there is definitely a gap below um, right here around 52 to 51. So if the price did pull back, gaps do like to fill. I'm not saying this one's going to fill, but that would be my personal target below if, uh, if I was bearish on this. Or if I was bullish on it and I want to take profits or maybe add to my position, gap fills are always a place to look. So that is AMD, clearly another leader in the market. Let's go to Delta, which is clearly a laggard or, you know, I don't even know if you, I don't even know what to call it at this point. But the main thing that I want to mention here is a couple of things, right? The first thing we've got, uh, <laughs> I just made this up. I call it a thruster wick. And the reason I call it that is if you look at like a, a spaceship taking off, you generally have the thrusters kicking in and you've got all that, you know, excess stuff coming at the bottom, pushing the, the, the rocket ship up. And these types of wicks that I see when you've got a higher low, this kind of reminds me of like a spaceship kind of trying to gear up to take off. Um, another cool example of that, uh, this is kind of getting off topic for a second, but I, I saw this on SDC as well this weekend. This was a request by um, one of our followers. Same thing though, right? You've got this kind of thrusting type approach. You've got the wick that tries to retest last week's low, but it doesn't. So um, I, I, if you look up thruster wick on Google, you're not going to find anything because I randomly just made it up today. But that's what it looks like to me. So we're going to go with it. Um, this doesn't mean that this thing's going to rip next week. But when I do look at candle formations, I do like to see this higher low with this kind of thrust, if you want to call it that. Um, Obviously, there is earnings, I think, next week or the week after. Um, so the question you know, remains, how much of this is priced into earnings? I mean, a lot of the price movements in the market right now are based on what is already priced in, right? Um, you know, so if, if things are already priced in and people start to speculatively buy airlines into earnings, you know, you could see a huge rip and even more so. Notice that we anchored the volume by price from this January 17th high. And you can see since that period of time, most of the shares have accumulated down at the bottom here. So that tells me one of two things. It tells me, well, it tells me kind of the same thing in both cases. You have a ton of people who capitulated at this bottom. You've got a new round of people who are now holders. And so if this, if this big, um, these three big bars of volume, if those are really people who are going to hold, then, you know, you could easily have supply um, drying up. You don't really need demand to, to increase. Remember, if you're looking at a supply and demand chart, all you need is one of those curves to move. So in this case, we could simply just have the demand curve stay constant and you have the supply curve drop, i.e. the supply is drying up, and all of a sudden you've got an increase in price. So um, for those that wanna understand the psychology and kind of the, the moving parts of this volume by price, I would highly recommend checking out just you know microeconomic, uh, just some type of microeconomic video or course, just to understand how these supply and demand curves move, because you really need to understand what is driving price. And it doesn't matter if news is driving price. It doesn't matter if an article just came out that's driving price that says, you know, something new came out. That article is creating a new status quo in the supply and demand, which is then pushing the price either up or down. So, you know, news, uh, news, earnings, all these random things, yes, are driving price, but the underlying move is coming from the imbalance of supply and demand in the market. And that's what's, that's what's really driving your price. Um, so, so with Delta, we've got a, a ton of people holding here. I don't know what's going to happen into tomorrow, but you know, if we turn on the gap snake, we do have that gap above right to around 28. So that is something to 100% look at into next week simply because these gaps do like to fill a lot of the time. Um, with Delta, notice that this is just our first gap. Our second gap is here. Our third gap is here. So this thing pretty much looks like Swiss cheese at this point. Um, as far as any of these tickers go, BABA, AMD, or 
Um, Delta, Steve, do you want to add anything with your charts and go over anything that you have uh, some thoughts on? I, I think you mentioned you traded Baba last week, right? Yeah, let me share my screen just briefly and uh, cover that. The um, yeah, the Alibaba. Oh, here's the update for Transpider. Yep. So you may you may need to update it and go to the new workspace again. Uh, it will just just press. Uh, oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, here's the Alibaba chart with once again the 520 uh, five crossed up over the 20 day moving average as the theme of my uh, talk today. Uh, once again, it beat uh, buy and hold 202.95 versus 125.88 for buy and hold. Uh, you know, and that's not an easy feat to buy, buy and hold. Most uh, day traders and traders can't beat uh, buy and hold for the indexes, but here's a huge equity curve difference uh, versus that. Uh, it's pronounced as some of the other leading growth stocks, but uh, my Alibaba trade here was based on, once again, the uh, the 520 uh, crossover. I went long with a 5 crossover the 20. My entry price was 198 on that crossover. And then uh, I, I held it up until Friday. I exited uh, near the end of the day at um, at 209.69 with that big pin bar reversal. And it just all day, it was uh, not looking good the, the way it closed, uh, big reversal. So I did decide to go ahead and lock in profits to Alibaba. And like you said, with what they went through with Wuhan and the pandemic, you know, I thought this was the three low test down here. Uh, triple lows had a good good possibility of uh, the worst was behind us and then when i got a back test a signal like that i went ahead and went long and uh, and held it no reason to get out uh, until uh, i got up to where i was happy with the profit and uh and it stopped going higher and had struggled for most of the day to really uh finish any higher so i was uh it was a 5.9 percent trade on alibaba on that one so I had to follow the 520 cross and then got out at the end so uh, that's all i want to say about that one but you really just see the over and over the 520 cross is a really good universal momentum uh, trend signal for a lot of uh, names yeah i was gonna say for, for, these, for these things that you're trading steve are <clears throat> are you generally trading just the common stock or the uh, or an option uh, nowadays i primarily focus on stocks i just like the equity because i don't have the time pressure and the faded decay and sometimes i will yeah. need you know, a few weeks. And I, and sometimes, you know, it's not enough. The speed's not fast enough to overcome the fate of decay. And especially with high volatility, the options become so expensive with the volatility being so high. You know, a lot of times it'll be like the earnings is priced out every morning when you didn't gap two or 2,000 points. So I've really been focused on equities in uh, recent years. So I have plenty of time, no time pressure, and I can just let a swing or a trend play out. I don't have to worry about overcoming the cost. A lot, of I have a lot of liquidity problems. I go out of the money too far, or if it goes into the money too much, sometimes I lose a lot in the bid-ask spread on, on less liquid option chains. I, when I trade options, I only focus on the most liquid chains, so I didn't have to get lose a lot in the spread. Oh, man. Some of those spreads are brutal. Even even some of the liquid options, have their spreads have been brutal. I mean, um, it, it's pretty impressive how big some of those spreads are. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I felt like the older those years, I felt like the, the old time up, the stock traders that said it used to be $100 a commission going in and out of a trade back before they were, you know, such cheap discount brokers. And I'm like, I know how you feel. It's cost 100 bucks to go in and out of an option trade. Yeah, no, I, I got to admit, I, uh, you know, I was the biggest piker when I first started trading options. I, you know, I trade very liquid common stock most of the time. And I'm very comfortable just doing a market order. So when I first started trading yeah. options, I was doing market orders on the options. Uh, I was <laughs> 10% above what the price was. I'm like, what the, you know, what the yeah. hell? Is so um, just speaking from experience, folks, <laughs> not market order options, unless you <laughs> want to be liquidity for somebody up there with a limit, order, you know, take it away from me. So um that is something that, uh, you know, I learned the hard way. I don't love doing limit trades just because if I want something, I'm, I'm very yep. comfortable market ordering it. But with the options, you really have to be, you know, very aware of how big the spread is. What's the current price relative to the spot price? Because all of that matters when you enter. I mean, you could get a 2% rip on BABA, but if you bought a BABA option at market and paid 10% above the current price at the ask, 
you may just be breaking even when Baba goes up 2%. <laughs> so um, just a note about options. I've, I've, I've had plenty of bad experiences with them. So I'm always happy to share those with other people so they don't make those. But with a lot of things in the market, you really don't learn until you make that mistake yourself. <laughs> yeah, I knew a, one of my uh, option friends that used to trade options doing one of the be best option traders I knew. And he'd actually let things just go be uh, put on him or called so he didn't have to lose the spread. You know, he would just, he would just let it execute and buy the stock. Yep. He didn't want to sell it and lose the spread, especially when it, even when he won and went deep in the money, then it would have a lot of liquidity issues. So, uh, you know, when I trade options, I focus strictly on the back in the days of highest liquidity spy and Q's and Apple and, and just the highest liquid. Like you said, it's shocking how some, some of the others, even like Google and stuff will be illiquid at times. You really got to be front month or front week, uh, you know, close to at the money to really get the most liquidity. Like you said. Yep. hundred percent. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's always a learning game in the market. If you if you think that you have just got the market down, if you you know if you're winning every single trade and it's just becoming too easy, remember that the market changes. It's a constant, fluid thing. So just because your you know just because your strategy just worked three times in a row doesn't mean it's going to work another three times. And this is kind of to end the whole the whole episode today is this is why the back tester is so powerful you're able to go and say all right well the last three trades were really profitable but let's go back and look at the last five years and see if that's actually something that is going to continue to be profitable it's kind of like the law of large numbers right if you roll uh excuse me if you flip a coin a thousand times you may hit heads a hundred times in a row but over that thousand times, you're going to get to the intrinsic probability or not the intrinsic probability, but the, the real probability, which is 50-50. You're after a thousand roll, a thousand flips, you're probably going to be somewhere around 500 heads, 500 tails. That's just how numbers work. That's how trading works as well. Just because five times worked does not mean the sixth time is going to work. And a lot of the time, people generally say, oh, well, the last five times worked. I might as well go all in the sixth time. And then that's when things always blow up. So, um, you know, never get overconfident. Always know that the market is there to surprise you. And um, Steve, you are always very insightful with your knowledge and your experience. And I want to thank you so much for your time today, going over some of your strategies and some of the trades that you've made recently. And um, I really hope everything's good on your end, staying safe and healthy out there. And hopefully we can go back to normal at some point um, one of these days. Yeah, I would like to wrap it up. My final thing is say with your coin toss analogy, that's how profitable trading works. If you have a 50-50 win rate, it's, if you made $2 when you were right and you lost a dollar when you were wrong, that's how you'd be profitable in the coin flip. And that's where the edge comes from, the risk reward ratio and your win rate. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. hundred percent. It's all about probabilities. People, you know, people say, oh, uh, trading is gambling. Well, Technically, gambling is playing odds. So yes, in a way, trading can be gambling. But the people who make money trading are people who can control their risk, who can identify you know, their risk and be able to take that and make it into a profitable strategy. If you do look at the market like gambling and you just look at, you know, oh, I've got a 70% chance I'm going to win this, I'm going to go all in, you know, that is never a strategy that's going to be consistent or attainable or sorry, sustainable over the long term. So being able to back test, being able to look at those statistics are absolutely crucial in this market. I've used the back tester more than I do recently, because especially with the VIX, right? If you've got four, uh, four weeks in a row on VIX, you go and back test the VIX and you would have seen pretty quickly that the VIX always goes down after four weeks in a row. And that you know, that was one of the reasons I became pretty bullish after the VIX hit four weeks in a row green. I mean, it's just not sustainable. And being able to go back and test that is unbelievably powerful. And uh, thank you so much, um, Steve, for showing us how you personally use that and how it helps you out in trading. Yeah, always great to be here, Jake. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for attending. This was a record attendance. Thank you all for making this happen. Um, you know, this has really been motivating for the whole TrendSpider team to keep pushing and keep making things better, more uh, utilizing 
and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. But remember, next Sunday is a an event. We have the event from 10 a.m. Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern. We've got eight different presenters. So if you are looking to tune in next week, make sure to look at the time. It is not going to be at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be at 10 a.m. Eastern time in the morning. And uh, we will see you there. Thanks so much again, Steve. And everybody have a great Sunday night. Thanks. Hey, before you go, make sure you head on over to trendspider.10minutesdoctrary.com to get your discounts. And I'm even going to throw in some extra bonuses worth over $100 to incentivize you to take your free trial of Trendspider today. And the only place to get these discounts and free bonuses is at trendspider.10minutesdoctrader.com. 10minutesdoctrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10minutesdoctrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinutesStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinutesStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.